Okay. I was 10 years old, and a new program was just being released, and they were going to show it on television, and I wanted to watch it. And this program that came on television, if I remember correctly, may, some of y'all may not understand, it was black and white about this big. But the name of this program that changed my life, changed my outlook, it took a long time, but this was the beginning, was Charlie Brown's Christmas. First aired in 1965, and I was 10. And I liked the series Peanut. I had a lot of the books, and I enjoyed it. And I watched this program. And, you know, it's Charlie Brown, you know, trying to figure out the meaning of Christmas. And he had this sorry-looking Christmas tree, and Snoopy was decorating this doghouse so he could win the prize for the best decoration. And he's trying to search out the meaning of Christmas. Is it the commercialism? Is it about the gifts? Is it about trees? Is it, what's it all about? And at the very end of the program, he's standing up on the stage where they were getting ready to put on a show, a Christmas show, these kids. And he says, what is the meaning of Christmas? And Linus comes out and says, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what the meaning of Christmas is. And he uttered, I'm not going to read it all, but he uttered these words that spoke to my heart that day as a 10-year-old. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. These were the shepherds. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Words of life. Those words, I remember as a 10-year-old, those words just energized me. They spoke to me. And I went and I found the Bible in the house. I had to look a little bit, but I found one. And I asked my mom, Mom, can I read these scriptures at Christmas dinner? She said, yes. Well, I didn't know anything about the Bible. It took me a long time to find those scriptures in that Bible. I didn't know there were four Gospels. I didn't know there was an Old Testament and New Testament. But I found them, and I read them at Christmas dinner. Unfortunately, there really wasn't anybody in my life at that time that could really lead me down this path that God was pointing me to. But I do remember those words. And I do remember. And especially looking back, I realized this was God calling me out of the darkness into the light. There were several other times through the course of my life that I felt like God was calling me. And for whatever reason, I didn't answer the call. But one day, God called again. And through the prayers and the love of my wonderful wife, and through a church, that knew people need to be saved. I found and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But to this day, I still think that those words are the most glorious words in all of Scripture. There is born unto you this day a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They still make hair on my neck stand up when I read them or hear them. But let's talk about what was going on here. There were some shepherds. And they were doing what shepherds do, watching their sheep. Now you've got to remember, shepherds at this time in the nation of Israel were thought of as really the lowest of the low. They were usually dirty. You know, they didn't come out, come, you know, come in and go to the temple and make their sacrifice because they're usually out in the fields. They were uneducated. And most of the nation of Israel looked down upon them, which was so ironic since, you know, the Hebrews started out being shepherds, amen, and the Egyptians looked down upon them. But they had become more and more like the world, like the Egyptians, and they looked down on these shepherds, even though probably these shepherds, since they were right outside Jerusalem, were raising the sacrifices that would be made for the sins of the people. But it says here, starting, this is in Luke 2, starting in verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
funny how it emphasized night by night. Now, the word night there can be exactly what it says. It means nighttime. It can be taken very literally. They were sitting around taking care of their sheep, and it was night. But that same word is often used for spiritual darkness. And the nation of Israel was living in a spiritual darkness. God hadn't spoken to them by the prophet or anybody else for over 400 years. The religion of Israel had become commercialized. It was about authority, power, and money, and not about God. And here were these shepherds, the lowest of the low in the nation of Israel. And they were sitting out there, and it was dark. They were watching their flock by night. It was a time of moral and spiritual darkness. It was the opposite of what was about to happen. And behold, it says, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Now, it says this angel appeared before them, and, and there was light. Glorious light, the Shekinah glory of God, shone all around them. God was shining his light into the darkness of the nation of Israel. He was showing himself to these shepherds. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't show himself to the high priest or to the other priest. He didn't show himself to the king or the political leaders. He was showing himself to shepherds. Dirty, uneducated. Low class of Israel. But the glory of God. And I truly believe this glory of God that was shining around this angel, this glory of God is the same light some wise men would see hundreds of miles away as a star in the heaven. The glory of God breaking into the darkness. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, nothing like this had happened for hundreds of years, especially not to shepherds. So they were greatly afraid. You know what the real problem was? People had become so accustomed to living in darkness that they feared the light. Isn't that funny? It's like the same people outside the walls of this church. 
They don't realize that they're living in darkness because they've never experienced the light. And they need the light in their lives. They need the light to guide them to the foot of the cross. Where they can be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and be cleansed of their sins so one day they can step out of this world of darkness into the pure light of God's presence. But they were afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Do not fear. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Good tidings, the gospel. The gospel is what brings the light. The gospel is what brings great joy into people's lives, which will be to all people. What Jesus was being born to do, he was doing for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. All people have the opportunity to receive this gift. that had split open the darkness and come into the world. It's all, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Messiah has come the one who will save his people from the guilt and the power of sin and eternal death. The one who came to wash man's sins away and to give them eternal life. And the blessedness in the presence of God, restored with the image of God in their lives. A Savior, the Messiah. What all of Israel was waiting for, their Messiah was coming. He was born this day. The light of God had split open the darkness and the Messiah had been born. Glorious news, great news. News of hope. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Anointed One. The one God had assigned to do the work of salvation. The one who would come, God in the flesh. To live the perfect life that we can't live. None of us can. I've been saved 30 years and still can't do it. Christ, the anointed one. The one who would take the sins of the world upon his shoulders on the cross of Calvary 
and die for the sins of all mankind. Christ, the anointed one, the Lord. That's the New Testament equivalent for the Old Testament Hebrew Jehovah. Sovereign of all creation. Supreme Lord. And see, that's one of the problems that many people have with this idea of Jesus Christ dying for their sin. They like that idea. They like the idea of having Jesus as their Savior. They, they, they stumble over having Jesus as their Lord. Amen? Because if He's their Lord, who's in control? He is. Of their lives. Well, I can take care of myself. I would ask you a question. How's that gone so far? Well, I can save myself. Oh, I don't think so. It's like these people, I, I'll talk to them, they're going through some hard times, and they'll tell me, well, I, I, I dug this hole. I don't need any help. I dug the hole, and I can dig my way out. And I usually look at them and say, well, it seems to me if you're digging in a hole, you're not getting out, you're only getting where? Deeper. If you want to get out of a hole, you need somebody to reach down and to lift you out. And that's what Christ has come to do. He is a Savior. He is the Anointed One, and He is God in the flesh. This is the greatest day, the greatest morning in all of world history. And that's what we're celebrating. Isn't it? Are we like Charlie Brown? We're out here wandering around looking for the meaning of Christmas. Is it about the lights? Is it about the trees? Is it about ornaments? Is it about the food? Now, don't get me wrong. I love all those things. and no, Nothing wrong with any of them. Unless they do one thing. Become... Come between you and your Lord. If those things, if it's about the presence, if it's about the trees and the lights and the food, if that's what Christmas is all about to you, then you're not celebrating the birth of the Savior, Christ the Lord. Doesn't mean you have, oh, I can, I'll give up all that. Well, you don't have to do that. You just have to get your priorities straight. Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hope, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace, goodwill towards men. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. What kind of peace? 
two kinds of peace. The first thing you need is peace with God. Sin separates us from God. Amen? Sin brings, well, sin brings, brought four basic elements into the world. Darkness. Amen? Light shining in darkness. It brought corruption, or you could call it decay. Sickness, getting old. Amen? It brought separation. Not only separation, us from God, but separation, people from people. Amen? Have you ever seen this world with so much hate towards each other as we see today? And what do we need? Oh, and the fourth thing, by the way, is death. That was sort of the obvious one. So we need, first of all, we need the peace with God. And that's the sin in our lives. We are enemies of God. We are separated from God. We have this barrier between us and God, and that's our sin. We need the peace with God. We, he needs to be appeased so he doesn't pour out his judgment on our sins. And Christ was going to accomplish that on the cross when he took on our sins, shed his blood, and washed them clean. We also need the peace of God in our lives. How many of y'all can really say that I'm living a life of peace? Anybody here doesn't have any stress? Raise your hand if you do. I want to see you. You know, I have it in front of my Bible here. When I'm stressed, I'm not trusting God. Amen? Because peace comes with living in Christ. Peace of God. Peace with God. Goodwill. That could be transit. Blessings. Not only receive the blessings of God, but we give the blessings of God to others. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, and here's the catch, folks, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go and see. You see, people want, oh, yeah, I'll be saved as long as I don't have to do anything. As long as it doesn't cost me anything, like time, you know, or effort. But if you want salvation, if you want Christ, you go... There are two parts to gift-giving, right? I can offer a gift, but what do you have to do? Receive it. 
If you don't receive it, did you get the gift? No. You have to go. Bow down to Jesus in humbleness, realizing that you are a sinner in need of a Savior because you can't save yourself, and say, Jesus, save me. I want you as my Savior, and I accept you as my Lord. Save me. Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass with the Lord has made known to us. That is our job as Christians. Can't help it. We're going to run long. We are to be a reflection of Christ into the darkness. Amen? Now, I like astronomy. And this is a little dated, but I read an article one time on how they make lenses for these big telescopes. And back then, they actually made them out of glass. And they would have this big hunk of glass, I mean, huge hunk of glass, tons of it. And they would start grinding it down until it got smoother and smoother. And then more and more, they would grind away something like 80, 90% of this chunk of glass until it was perfectly smooth so it could reflect all the light that was coming into it. You get the picture? Why do you have trials and tribulations as Christians? You thought, well, once I get saved, all my troubles will be gone. No. Sometimes the trials and tribulation is God working in your life to grind away all the things in your life that keep you from being a good reflection of Jesus Christ into the world of the dark out there, to the people. And they're not going to come and see what you've got if you're not showing them anything at all. I've had too many people say, oh, I know about churches. They're just like the world. And if we are just like the world, why would anybody want to come? Amen? If there's no joy in here, if there's no growth in here, if there's no fruit in here, people will say, I got that out there. What do I need to come there for? We need to be a reflection of Christ so they want what we've got. They want to see, they want to go see how we receive this joy in our lives and their own life. I'm going to just read one more verse because we're going to come back to this in a few weeks. Believe it or not, you get to listen to me some more later on. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the sayings which was told them concerning this child. They went out and said, you need to come and see what we've seen. Do you see what I see? Love that song. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. These low-class 
30 uneducated men of Israel society, God revealed his truth to them. And they went and told people about it. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all things they had heard and seen as it was told them. You're living in darkness if you don't have Christ. You may not realize it. You may think you have a glorious life. It's like trying sometimes, it's trying, like trying to describe color to a blind man. It's hard to get somebody to understand the darkness in their life until they see the light. You can't see clearly until you come into the light. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, what wonderful words. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Have you met him? Have you come to see him? Have you heard him speak? Are you being called to come into the light? I can't think of a better day than this day. To do as those shepherds did. Come and see what Jesus can do in your life. He can make you a new man or a new woman. He will give you a new nature, a new heart. He'll give you hope in a world that has very little hope anymore these days. He gives you the promise of eternal life in the presence of God with the restored image of God in your life, pure and holy as God is, as you step out of the darkness into the light of his glory. If you're here today without Jesus, I would encourage you to come. They're going to lead us in a closing hymn. If you're here today without Christ, please come. I could, I, I could show you through God's word how you know you can be saved today. Maybe you're here and you made that commitment one time, but you hadn't really followed through. <coughs> Altar's always open for prayer. I'd be glad to pray with you. I'd be glad to pray for you. You just need to, to go and see what Jesus can do for you. Ladies. Let's all stand together and sing our closing.